0: today's sermon is there's power in the meaning of a name. There's power in the meaning of the name. Now, before we get into that, Michael Dunn turned us, took us to church, okay? Uh, but whenever you see the word amen in a song, or whenever somebody says it in church, I don't even know if you know what that means. We, a lot of times we think it means the end, like the last credits, because the prayer's over, the end. But that's not what amen means. Amen means, so be it, or I agree with the truth that was just said, hashtag truth, that's another way of saying amen, okay? So if I would say to you, uh, I love Jesus, then all of you would say what? Amen. amen. Everybody get that? So uh, I know we're a Baptist church and maybe you're not used to doing that, but at any point in this sermon, I want to give you total freedom to say amen throughout the time. We've got the kids in here with us today, they may throw in some other things now and then. Uh, that's going to be okay today. All right? So uh, Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. Amen. Amen. There we go. All right. Then we'll see which one of you got the spirit by the time this gets over. All right. So uh, I, wa- I want to just take a moment and talk about the importance of the power that comes in an name. When, when we have baby dedications up here and every child that's born into the church, we, we focus on them individually so that parents can say the name of the child. And the reason that I have parents first give the name of the child to everybody. I also then want them to say, because names are important, why did they name the child the name that they named them? Okay? Uh, and usually there's a meaning other than, well, I just liked how it sounded, okay? Uh, usually it's named after a family member or somebody in the Bible. Uh, a lot of times people would take a, a Greek word or, or just something like that that has meaning to it. So I want to encourage you to do that for those of you who haven't had your children yet, because that's a very biblical thing to do, okay? Uh, and what you're saying, when you give a child a name, you're saying, find out the meaning of that name. And what you're hoping is someday that child will embody or their character will back up the name that you gave them. So if you name them after a family member with good characteristics, then tell them, the reason I named you after your grandma, whatever, is because your grandma was this way. And let them know they were given that name. Names are important throughout the Bible. Okay? Uh, when I talk about Willis family names, I got the name Steve after my dad's best friend. He's struggling with cancer right now. Um, I, honestly, I don't even know if he's alive at the time that I share this. Uh, he was a loyal friend to my dad, his best friend. Steve Bowen was also a leader in his school, and he ended up playing uh, some professional ball, okay? And my dad didn't know it at the time, but the name Stephen means one who leads. So, uh, loyal friend, I think I'm that. Uh, Am I a leader now? Yep, I've met that name. Some professional ball? Well, two out of three ain't bad, all right? Not quite there. Twenty years after my dad gave me a name, uh, I was marrying Dee, we got together, and I told her, I don't want to be a girl dad. And I realized just through science that's really up to me, okay? Uh, whether or not it's gonna be a boy or a girl, it's between me and the Lord, okay? Uh, so we go, to the, I remember going in Dallas the first time we had a sonogram when first baby in the womb. And I just remember when that sonogram locked in at the right spot and I saw it's gonna be a boy, all right? I literally, when I walked out of the hospital, Baylor Hospital that day, I jumped up and clicked my heels to t- together. Amen, praise the Lord, I'm going to have a boy, all right? Because I had no idea how to raise girls. I didn't think I'd be very good at it. And uh, a couple years after that, we found out we're pregnant again. And we already had a bunch of boy names picked out. I had five or six boys' names that I wanted. And then we went in for the sonogram, and lo and behold, it was a girl. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> what am I going to do with a girl? I have no idea how to be a girl dad. Literally moments before her birth, we did did it. The morning that she was born, we still didn't know what we were going to name our little girl. I was stuck, and so there we are. Dee's giving birth, and I'm just thinking the whole time, I've got to come up with a name. I felt all this pressure. I got to come up with a name. I don't know what name it's going to be. Like, so here comes the baby, and there she is, and I'm looking at her, and the doctor gives a little tap on the behind, and she goes. <laughs> Man. That's how she cried. And as soon as she did it, my heart went out to her, unlike any child I've ever had. She immediately became my favorite and no one would ever usurp her. <laughs> God had given me a great gift, and knowing a little bit, bit, bit of Greek and knowing a little bit of Hebrew, I looked at Dee as she I said, She's crying like a little lamb. And the word in Hebrew for little lamb is Rochelle. And the word Jonna in Greek means gift or grace from God. And I realized at that moment that God had given the gift to me of this little lamb that I was supposed to watch over every day until I walked her down the aisle. And last year, last summer, I walked her down the aisle. And i got to be honest with you, it was the heart, the the child that I wanted the least— was the child that I ended up loving, and that was the hardest day of my life, was walking her down that aisle. It's nothing against my son-in-law. It's just my little lamb, I was handing her off to another man. Names mean something to this day. Um, So that was her name, Jonna, God's gracious gift, Rochelle, little lamb. And here's what I want you to see throughout the Bible, that when God gives a name, I would sing to her, little girl, little girl, I got a song just between me and her, I sang it to her on her wedding day, is that when God gives a name or changes a name, He changes a story. And in the Bible, we, I'm going to go through a bunch of stories real, quick with, real quickly with you. There's a guy named Abram. And Abram, uh, his name meant father of a few. God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. And then soon thereafter, he had a lot of children. Abram had a wife whose name was Sarai. It meant little princess. But as she aged and couldn't have a child, God changed her name to Sarah, which means queen of the nations. And soon after that God gave her that name, she became pregnant in her her latter years and gave birth to a son named Isaac. And that son named Isaac had a son named Jacob. And that name Jacob means one who pulls the leg. It means the jokester or a deceiver. And Jacob deceived his dad in a business deal. He deceived his brother in a business deal. He even had to run away from home because he was such a deceiver, and his dad and his brother were so angry at him. His brother wanted to kill him. Then he went out and deceived his uncle. And his uncle deceived him, and just the whole family was completely dysfunctional. And then Jacob had an encounter with God, and God changed Jacob's name to Israel. His name went from being a trickster to the name Israel, one who has power with God. And there's even a nation named after that today. So when you think of the nation Israel, we think of one who has power with God. God did this regularly in what we would call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Jesus did it in the New Testament. There was a man who was a fisherman. His name was Simon. And he was a little, he would fall away, and he would make a lot of mistakes. But Jesus renamed him Peter, which means the rock, bedrock. And he said, someday, Peter, after I'm gone, you're going to be the strong leader of the disciples. You're going to rally them up and send these guys out to share my name all over to the Jews around the world. And then later, after Jesus' resurrection, just a few years... There was a man named Saul. He was named after the king of the Jews, first king of the Jews. And Saul was a mighty warrior who destroyed the enemies of God. And so this man named Saul, he embraced his name, which means the destroyer of the enemies of God, and he started killing Christians because he thought Christians were the enemy of God. And then one day, literally, as he was riding on a horse to Damascus, going to kill more Christians there, Jesus literally knocked him off of his high horse. And while he was on the ground, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And here's this racist man who hated all Gentiles because that's why he was raised as a very conservative right-wing Jew, hated everybody who wasn't a Jew, Jesus said to him at that time, your name is no longer Saul, I'm going to change it to a Gentile name. I'm going to change your name to a name of the very people you hate, and I'm going to change who you are in your your heart right now, so that you will be a humble man. And you are going to take the gospel to all nations of the world, even to, to kings and emperors someday. And so God changed his name, Jesus changed his name from Saul to Paul. And you know what Paul means? Little humble one. It's like saying, hey, little fellow, how you doing? Who wants that name? Right? But that was God's way of reminding him to stay humble so that he could reach the world. You see, there's power in the meaning of a name. There was power when Peter became, when Simon became Peter. There was power when Saul became Paul. Yes, my friends, there's power in the meaning of a name. There's power in the meaning of God's names. I don't want you ever to forget this. We live in a world today, people blaspheme the name of God when they say God's name inappropriately. You walk in a room, you see a new car, you win a prize, something bad happens to you, and people say, oh my God, and it's not a prayer. They're not talking to God when they say it. They're not talking about God when they are saying it. They're just saying, I'm angry or I'm really excited, but it really has nothing to do with God. And I want to remind you this Christmas season as well as the other 364 days of the year that there is power in the meaning of God's name. Therefore, we should never misuse it or take it in vain. There we go. Now you all starting to get the amens. I was wondering if anybody heard a thing I said at the beginning. Now, when God throughout the Bible would reveal one of his names, it was his way of revealing something about his character that a person or a people needed to know at that time. He had already revealed himself in certain ways to different people throughout the Scripture, but when he gave a new revelation of himself, he would also attach a name, a descriptor to his power— And so you have someone like Abraham who's thinking he's going to lose his only son, that he's going to have to sacrifice him on the mountain. But instead, God gives a ram up there to be sacrificed instead of Isaac. And Abraham realizes that God is Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah means the Lord. Jireh means his provider. He is a providing God. And there's power in the name of our God who provides. Amen. A few of you got it, okay? Now, Moses and God's people, two million Hebrews living out in the desert, and they're starving to death, and they're thirsty, and they think they're going to die, and there's diseases running throughout the land, and God says this to Moses, watch this, if you would diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ears to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, watch this, for I am Jehovah, Lord Your healer, Jehovah healer. What does that mean? He's saying to Moses, The number one thing that you and your people need to know right now is that I am the Lord who is a healer. That is Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals. Later, Samuel anoints a teenager to be the shepherd over the people of Israel. And this shepherd is overwhelmed. Because he's thinking, how am I going to be shepherd king over the people of Israel? Who's going to be my shepherd? And then that's when God reveals himself to David, that he is Jehovah-Rohai. What is Jehovah-Rohai? You know it. Here's another way of saying it In, in English. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David can shepherd because he's got the great shepherd, the good shepherd watching over him. Our God is the shepherd over all of us. There's a man in the Bible named Gideon. He was afraid because the Israelites were being attacked all the time. He was just constantly scared. And then God reveals him. He says, listen, the number one thing, Gideon, you need to know about me right now is that I am Jehovah Shalom. You know what Shalom means, right? You've heard that before? It's the Hebrew word for what? Peace. I am the Lord of peace. If you trust me, even when the world's blowing up around you, you can have peace. And so God goes on and and he says, I'm Jehovah El Roy. Who is Jehovah El Roy? It means I am the God who sees you. He said that to Hagar when she was lost in the wilderness. He said to Ezekiel, I am the God who is present with you even when you're being persecuted, constantly revealing who he is through his names because there is mighty power in the names of God. And then... We come to Galatians 4, when Paul is looking back on history, and he recognizes that there is a fullness of time, when all the pieces of the Old Testament puzzle, the Hebrew Bible came together. He said that when the fullness of time had come, when God had woven everything together in His way, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman— Born to a man named Joseph and a woman named Mary. And so, how is God going to reveal what to name his son to Joseph? How is God going to reveal—if I'm going to pick out one name that you need to understand, the name that is powerful, the name that is above all names— The name that is unlike the names of the Old Testament that's going to be set aside for my son, my only begotten son, I'm going to give him a powerful name. You all know it. What is the one thing that Mary needed to know about who would grow up starting in her womb? What name did God need to give the child so that Joseph would know exactly who is on the way, who is coming to help? When we read in Matthew chapter 1, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Of all the words in the Hebrew language, God chooses this name, Jesus, for his son. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. You see, this is what Jesus means. It's Jehovah Yeshua. What does Yeshua mean? He is the God who saves. He's not just the God who provides. He's not just the God who gives peace. He's not just the God who heals. He's not just the God who watches over you. He is the God who has come to save you. And Joseph and Mary are going to be the parents of him. Here's Mary's story. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, old favor one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what type of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua. In Hebrew, I'm sure Gabriel was speaking to her in Hebrew. What does she hear? And you shall call his name Savior. This is what God is saying to all of us every Christmas season. If you're going to know one thing about my son, if there's one name you're going to need to know about him, understand this about him. Understand the power and the meaning of Jesus' name Jesus is what? Our Savior. He came to save us. This is how John the Baptist introduces him to his disciples. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming toward him, and he says to his disciples, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's, why, that's the way he saves us, is he washes our sins away. Later, the Apostle John writes this very famous verse, the most famous verse in the world, For God so loved the world that at this Christmas season He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son in the world to condemn the world, watch this, but in order that the world might be Yeshua, Jesus, through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What is the name of the only Son of God? It's Jesus, which means what? Savior. There is power in the meaning of the name Jesus. This is what I want you to understand today. There is so much power. Listen, there is so much power in the name of Jesus in spite of your sin— In spite of everything that you've done wrong, and in spite of anything you will do wrong in the future, by just placing your belief, not in your own good works, but in the name, in the person, in the power of Yeshua, the Savior of the world, all of your sins can be wiped away by just calling on one name, the name that is above all names, the name is Jesus. So that's my question to you this morning. Some of you may have been invited here. Some of you might have believed this all your life. But the most important thing that you can understand right now, the one thing that you need to leave this room understanding, understand this about God. He sent His Son as your Savior. He came to save you from your sins. And so we're going to do something that we don't do every week right now. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing a song. Well, actually, you're going to listen to a song while you take communion. I'm not going to have you come forward to take communion. You can take it right in your chair when you're right. When you're right with the Lord. And this is the way you get right with the Lord. Before you take communion, whatever you do, do what I'm about to tell you next. We invite anybody to take this cup— as long as you believe in what it represents. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins, and if you believe that he rose from the grave, then I'm going to invite you to receive him as your Savior right now. And if you do that, I'm going to ask you, if you will, before you take communion, to come forward and pray with us. But the Bible also tells us that we should not take communion if we are at odds with a brother or sister. So if there's something going on in your life where you say, man, I need prayer because I'm holding resentment against someone I love, I'm holding a grudge because of things that have happened in the past, listen, my friends, Jesus not only wants to release you from your sin, He wants to release you from your pain. He wants you to understand that He came to save you from all the hurt and pain that the world throws on you. So if there's anything that any of you need to pray about, I'm going to ask the staff to come forward as the band starts singing. I'm going to ask you, if there's anything you need to pray about today, here's an opportunity for you to pray with our staff. And then, when you feel like your heart is right with Jesus, when you recognize that, yes, As an unfaithful person, you are coming to the cross to be forgiven of your sin. Then take the bread, which represents his body, and eat it. Take the cup and drink it and experience what it means to be forgiven by the Lord.